Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the From the Finney podcast with Ollie, Jimmy and me, Jake. In this episode, we're going to talk through Saturday's home draw, answer a number of different listener questions and look ahead to Wednesday night's game against Borough. Enjoy! How are we, fellas? Are we good? Good, mate. Yeah, not bad, thank you. Good. What was that, Ollie? You were sounding a bit squeaky then. Just been a quiet few days for me. Good, good. Glad to hear it. Uh, yeah, before we start, I just, again, uh, as I have done recently, I remind anyone listening that you can support us here at From the Finney with a one-off donation. Just visit supporter.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. Uh, all the money that's donated just helps with the running costs of the podcast, the website and everything else. If you have anything that you'd like plug in or if you're a small business or a local business and you want a shout out or anything like that, if you've got an offer on, let us know. Yeah, and we'll, we'll sort something out for that. So, boys, yesterday, um, we, we were a bit fortunate really, weren't we? Yeah, extremely so, I think. Um, started really brightly, didn't we? Um, obviously should have took the lead probably within the first minute to Sinclair. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously we, we scored a goal from one of Wickham's mistakes. Good anticipation by Barkey, but I think you know the manager said it already. But I think the game turns on ahead when Pearson goes down and does his, rolls his ankle. Um, obviously, looking like ligament damage, which is a big loss for us. Mm. And to be honest, I thought we were second best after that. And you know Wickham game plan as soon as it I said I said at half time like the next goal is really key because I could see if if Wickham got a foothold back in the game and got it back to one apiece there's probably only one team that was going to win the game yeah for, for me at that point and you know credit to Wickham and the way they played it's not pretty however it's pretty effective and it, it's probably obvious now from actually seeing them firsthand why they're actually picking up points now yeah, we said that recently, didn't we? That they'd started to sort of pick up points and and probably made themselves difficult to beat, which is what they they were yesterday. Yeah, very yeah. Much I think so. I think it's two defeats in nine for them. So, you know, they've picked up points in seven of the last nine games. I think they've drawn against Brentford. I actually thought even when we went one 0 up, I tweeted that you know we were one 0 up. I didn't think we played that well. Um, even before Ben went off, I thought we should have gone a lot more direct because um, they basically pressed. They were three, four, one, three, two, two strikers and three players really high behind that. So the defense was just four plus one sitting midfielder, and we didn't. The goal actually comes from a long ball. Um, they don't clear the long ball, and then they make a absolute fuck up of it. Barky taps it in, but we actually created a few chances when we went more direct, and I just thought, obviously. You know, when you got full backs, full backs who aren't really full well, aren't probably good full backs, you are gonna struggle. But I don't think Pearson going off was a reason that they improved. I thought I just wish we were more direct. We just seemed to tippy t- tippy pass it around like I know we had both bends in there and that's that's when we wanna play a bit more, but I just thought 
we could have exploited him a lot more, especially Barkey against Jacobson. Didn't really see that isolation, really. Um, but yeah, second half, I think it, it was just Akin Fenway dominated the game. Um, and I think 34% of the game was played in our third, which I think is the highest so far this season because we just dropped so deep with Akin Fenway. I don't know why we just didn't hold the line. I know Kashgat's got quite a bit of pace, but I think we should have held the line a lot higher up because Wickham, Wickham just played for territory. It's like one North End do. Wickham just did it a lot better and we just didn't deal with a 38-year-old bodybuilder. I think you yeah. said it on Twitter, didn't you, that you'd back Davis to sweep up that space um, when, if, should Cash get, sort of have that, that time to mm. run into it. Yeah, I just thought it played into their hands so much, dropping mm. off. We gave Akin Fenway sort of five, ten yards. Um, I think as well, and... the the um, shout-out here to uh, Chairboy's Tactics, I think it is on Twitter, he helped with our match preview before the game, and I think he even said in that we've struggled against teams that have played a high line and and have tried to dominate us aerially. And, and mm. there was no yeah, aerial it, domination yesterday, and we were like you said, we were incredibly deep. If you play a high line against second fun, well, then he's completely ineffective. Mm. Um, I asked someone if they thought it was a tactical decision from the manager or if it was just. You know, Hunt's dropping really deep. I just can't see the manager wanting us to play that deep. And I think we could have pressed them a lot higher in the initial phase. Because if you're playing long balls from sort of within your defensive third, you're not going to reach our box. Um, I thought their keeper had a very long kick, by the way. Probably the longest kick I've seen all season. But yeah, I just thought, even at 1-0 up, I just weren't that. I didn't think we played well at all yesterday. Um, and obviously, Ben going off is a massive blow because he's going to probably miss, you know, the next however many games. It's more more than more than just a disappointment from yesterday. Yeah, I just think it's, we never got going, did we? I mean, you look at how many times we lost possession yesterday. It's just very scrappy the game became. It was, I just, I never felt comfortable all game. And I think we started all right. You know, if it's, if it's 2-0, you know, when Ben goes off, I think we're probably all right. I think we probably go on to win the game. Mm. But by us not taking the chances that we had, it just left us open and, and a little bit suspect. I mean, yeah. I went through the stats before. We lost possession 167 times yesterday. We averaged about 150. I mean, Rotherham game, we was in like the 200s. It was like 220 or something. So it just showed that it was just a really scrappy game for me. I thought, complete... we, can, I thought we compressed us quite a lot, to be fair. Like... People probably see that game and think they sat really deep. Um, but I thought the three, the two up front and the three behind, I thought they were very adventurous considering they had, that was basically the only 11 they could play because um, they had very bad injuries, you know, across the pitch. But yeah, just our composure was just so bad on the ball. Um, I know Rafferty was obviously hooked, but, you know, even Hunts just playing the simple passes. And I think Alex Neil mentioned we lacked a little bit of um, bravery on the ball when Ben went off. And I think as well, when he went off, Wickham had four big chances yesterday. Mm. And they created, I think, over 2xG. Me and Jimmy were speaking about this last night. That was only the second time they've done that. And Ryan Ledson just doesn't have the same defensive instincts as Ben Pearson does. Um, and I think that's obviously Bauer was missing, Fisher, Hughes and Pearson. So, you know, it's no surprise that we gave away four big chances when you look at the actual, you know, defensive structure that we had. That casket one, 
at one apiece. Christ, he's got a score mm. on him, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's that is a sitter. That you know, there's no other way to describe it, really. And then obviously, I said I was watching the game yesterday. I was messaging and one of the lads at the same time and as soon as he got the free kick I said we're in trouble here because I think he'd had one about five minutes earlier Jacobson yeah. in a very similar similar area and obviously we, we all know about his set piece threat to start with I just thought yeah and, and I think Ollie, you're probably the better person to mention about it's about we start we actually left players up yesterday we, you know we've harped on it enough on here about bringing everybody back at set pieces. We actually left players out yesterday and it's probably caught as cold on that, on that set piece. Mm-hmm. I just For the goal, I thought I thought it should have had four men in the wall. Um, you know that Jacobson's only ever going to go outside the wall and swing it back in. I thought it should have had an extra man on the end of that wall there. Um, and, you know, Hunts and Stocky were so deep in the box. You know, man marking when that free kick was being taken, the ball was never going there. So I don't know why they have to be so deep. Obviously, Sinclair's man-to-man with cash get. And, you know, the attacker's always got the advantage there, sprinting in towards the goal rather than the defender sort of having to turn his body. But, yeah, I just thought we should have had an extra man. I think Neil mentioned it um, after the game. He said the wall weren't quite right. I think we left Reese up front. Um, but, yeah, it was a good free kick, weren't it? Hit the post. A little bit of luck, little bit of luck but... I can't really blame Sinclair too much, I don't think, for that. I think, you know, it's fallen. Cash gets left-footed as well, so it's fallen perfectly for him, you know, on his left foot. But I think if, if all our plays are in line with the wall, Cash get probably doesn't get there as easy because he would have been a bit further out. But like Jimmy said, I think it was I think it was actually McCarthy who had the shot from a free kick a few minutes earlier, right-footed shot. Um, and then, you know, it's a long ball from the keeper and, People can say it's not a foul, but Hunts is, Hunts is grabbing his neck area. And it's just, it's a bit naive, mm. you know, giving him a free kick sort of 25 yards out when when that's their main threat. So, you know, I was fearing the worst at that point because I think if we lost yesterday, um, I think it would have been, you know, big trouble. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, I, I, it's a funny one, isn't it, really? I did, he's never left players out at a corner. Or a free kick on the halfway line. He's never done it whilst he's been here, Alex Neil. I just found it really strange that he's actually done it yesterday. And it's... not not only that, but he's he's made a point when quizzed about it as to why he's never done it as well. And he's been so steadfast in his reasoning for doing what he does. Mm. But then again, we've criticised him for the home form. Is he trying to mix things up at home to try and? Um, I think you no. Know, try to and be turn honest, the form around. Yeah, I think we did. Um, have all ten back for some for some corners. Um, I think when you've got a set piece, you know, a free kick is slightly different. But I think there was a clear instruction from Deck to go long very early from his hands yesterday. He did it a few times. That's how Reese got his chance. Um, so I think that might have been some of that. As I said before, they had five men pressing quite high. If you bypass that, you know, we were three on three, four on four at times in the first half, especially. I think Maguire has one where he makes a shocking decision when he probably should pass it to Sinclair. But I think that comes, again, from a long ball. Um, so I think they just wanted to get over that initial press very early. I, I, By the way, I thought, thought... Go on. I was just going to say, I thought Daryl Hogan was very good for them yesterday. I think he's improved a lot. Picked up yeah. pockets of space, got an assist. Yeah, thought it was good yesterday. 
But what was the quote Alex Neal said when he let when, when he let him go? Because he didn't want. It's like he didn't want to let him go. But we got was it? Did we get Bowden in as as his replacement? Was that the same window? Yeah, I think so. I remember at the time Alex said something about we've got Robinson and Barkey as his main options. So I don't think he fancied Hogan that much when he was here. To be honest. Yeah, I think he's come out recently as well and said that he, he was a good lad and worked hard, but just couldn't couldn't find the, the the sort of game time for him and where to fit him in, really. Mm. Yeah, but obviously good to get the point in the end. Probably should, we could have had three, couldn't we, as well, with, with Emil's chance. So. Yeah. It's a cracking ball by Sinclair, by the way. Got to give him a lot of praise for that. You know, that... It's a bit like you've said for a few months. Moments in it, moments of quality in the game, and it's just it's perfect. It's a perfect ball to be attacked. My only concern is neither of our strikers are anywhere near it. No, it's a perfect ball. Isn't it? To be fair, I think um, Reese challenges at the near post. I think their lad gets a tiny nick on it, and then Stockley's pinning whoever puts it into the net. So, you know, having two strikers in there, arguably made it harder to defend so you know it was an unbelievable cross though um, and again that just came from us being direct I think Potts picks it up on the edge of our box or near enough yeah, just drives into the space drives into the space and just get across in the box so you know we did change it yesterday he went, he went 4-2-3-1 and then he went 4-4-2 um, so you know he has changed it and it's you know worked out for him I didn't think they were the best changes at the time um, but you know Jimmy said, "Great cross from Sinclair. I thought he was quite sharp again yesterday. Um, you know, he had he had a good chance in the first thirty seconds, and he had a couple of good chances as well. Second half, so I think Sinclair's looking quite sharp. Yeah, it's positive, isn't it? There's a lot of them that weren't on it yesterday, but I think every, everyone who's watched the game will probably understand that as well. Yeah. You know, there's probably a lot for me that were five or six out of tens rather than seven or eights." I think there was, a few, there, was a, there was a few three out of tens there for me yesterday. There's a couple of fours, weren't there? I think you've, you've got to give you've got to give them a three. You know they've turned up, they've, they've put the right kit on. Oh, <laughs> I know. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this again, but Joe Raff has been hooked off for a right winger who scored four and five. Like that's a big fucking issue at this point. Like oh, he's been hooked off in the last two games that he's not been sent off in at Deepdale. So he's been hooked off at 45, then he's been sent off, then he's been hooked off at 65. And oh, it's just, it was painful, that. And it completely, completely um, counteracts from what Barkusen gives you. It was just yeah. desperation stuff for me, that. And I think not many people have mentioned it, but that's just desperation stuff. When you're taking off a left back and putting a right winger there to give you some kind of attacking impetus, mm-hmm. um, crying out for just investment there because you know this is the thing we've given we've given Earl and Hughes new contracts neither of them can stay fit you know it's like rewarding mediocrity there Um, yeah it's just it's it's painful that area of the pitch is painful for us Ben Davis was doing most of our attacking on that side in the last 20 minutes I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's just left back either right back's the same you know Darnell's out of contract in the summer Mm. what I mean, we all know what Raft is about at left back, and I think we all agree that he's probably not much better in his natural position either. Yeah, I think North End tried to sign a right back in the summer, um, 
I think it's something they'll probably look at again in January. But well, they're going to have know, to, really, aren't they? Yeah. It, it, Fish was out yesterday. Bauer, Hughes, Earl. Um, so you know, defensively, we are a bit decimated. I think we conceded twenty-five goals and we're sixteen. Only Coventry have conceded more goals. You know, we've got the second lowest keeper save percentage in the league. You know, we we are quite easy to score against. Bauer's a massive miss for me as well. So you know, I think I think we're the sixth or seventh top scorers, but only one one team's conceded more as well. So I think our our issues are clearly defensive structure and stability for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, only one of them back four yesterday is, is a first choice. Yeah, that's Ben Davis. You know, in, in terms of the defensive line. So, you, you know, we're we're probably back to where we were. You know, when we played Bournemouth, you were thinking, all right, well, we're getting there. You know, we've got we've got our centre half partnership back. You know, Daniel coming in two games time. We don't know what's happening with left back, but I think when you've got three of your best back four there, you can probably carry Rafferty to a certain degree because at least then you've got someone that's going to get him out of the crap you know if he does get turned or if someone comes inside he's going to limit us going forward we know that but yeah. you know when you're when you're only playing one of your best back four in a game like like it was on Saturday you can't expect a miracle you know yeah. and I think it's the time is just it's time's ticking and like with this staleness in the squad it, it's sort of coming to the forefront now, you know, we can't really get going and it's like, well, yeah. we just need fresh blood in January and it's so key that we get it. People, obviously people don't want to hear it, but, you know, when you go in with one of your back four, you've lost Pearson, I think we've lost Johnson now for the next game. Yeah, he's suspended, you know, isn't he? So Pearson, Johnson unavailable, Bauer unavailable, Hughes, Earl unavailable, Bowden's injured, you know, Malt's injured, Nugent not involved, you know, Ripley needs to go on Weight Watchers. We've got so many issues. Again, but, you know, it's, people don't want to hear back it. back on but, Wednesday. Yeah, Fisher comes yeah. back in. But, obviously, I think Brown will just have to move back into midfield because... Um, We're looking short there again. Well, DJ not again, Pearson, but, Yeah. Kelly. You know, it, maybe Gally's it might have to be. Yeah, I think it'll be... Um, it might be a sort of game for Gally because I don't think... I think Borough sort of sit in. Not they sure are not mm. on the bench, is he? He's not been on no. the. He's not been on the bench these past three, four games. Yeah. You know, well, he was he in had... a coaching capacity, wasn't he? But yeah, he's there, but he's not. He's not kitted up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there was a point yesterday in the second half. He's got his head in his hands, thinking, "What the hell am I doing?" About about ten minutes to go, it was like picture picture said a thousand words. But what can you do? Yeah. But just on, think, on, you know, it's a, yeah. Sorry, go on. Just on central midfield, uh, obviously Josh Harrop's coming for a bit of criticism, not just from the fans, but the manager as well after his performance. Where do you two stand on him? Generally, or on yesterday? Um, a bit of both. Well, obviously, I know where you both stand on him from yesterday. I think it's the. It's the I'd give him a three. It's the same as the consensus, really. You know, yeah. he wasn't good, was he? No, he was shocking. He was shocking yesterday. Um, I didn't personally think it would be a game for him, but then Alex has come out after and said they've only played one city midfielder, so you know there's plenty of space. But I just thought it was, I just thought all the space was wide for me yesterday. Um, but obviously Alex feels different. But yeah, he, he still he could have done a lot more for us. Twenty-eight touches, seventeen passes from someone who 
wants he should be trying to cement a place in the team just isn't good enough for me. Yeah, and I don't understand it, right? Because whether it's his pedigree, where he's come from at United, and obviously he had that one game where he scored for a minute, I suppose coming with that mindset that, yeah, you know, I've, I've played at United, I've scored at Old Trafford. You know, not many people can say that. You know, and, and now I want to kick on, I want to make a career for myself. It's been in four seasons. I know he had a complete season out with his ACL, which is, is a tough injury to come back from anyway. But he's just never cemented their place. And I, I just find it really difficult. I know the manager didn't sign him and he was, I suppose, at the club when everything happened in that summer of 2017. I just find it a little bit... I said it before on the pod and, and I'll say it again. He'd probably be a good player in a lot of teams that play to make him the focal point. But the minute he's not going in the number 10 role at a DJ or Alan Brown, you know, the manager likes pots as well, you know, especially away from home. He's probably not going to get in the way from home. I don't see what he does off the ball. His range of passing isn't up there for me. He can't tackle, you know, he tackles in the eye. So I'm like, well, what does he actually offer that? fits in with an Alex Neal system because he wants his, his players to work hard off the ball, keep the shape, keep the discipline, be ruthless when, when you counter-attack. I, and I just don't see that, them attributes that he's got. He must have because he's a professional footballer and he's, he's got a, a bloody good contract here by all accounts and he's got come through the ranks at United. You don't do that if you're crap. But there's just something missing. And I can't put my finger on it. Manager sees him every day. So if he's not playing week, if the manager sees him every day and he's not playing week in week out, he's not in his best eleven, then there's clearly something missing. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, the only thing I'd say to that is if you look at the profile that Alex Neal likes in a number ten, they're predominantly physical profiles, aren't they? Mm. And Josh Harrop hasn't had that. The other thing I'd say is if you look at James Madison, Alex Neal loaned him out to Aberdeen because he didn't fancy James Madison. He just doesn't fancy certain players like that. Now, James Madison's one of the best creative players in the Premier League now. Sometimes it just doesn't work out under a manager. I've got no doubt that in a different system. Because our number 10, you know, it, it's a third midfielder. It's, you know, it's just an advanced central midfielder, really. Yeah. I don't think that's Harrop's role. So that's why he's playing off the left so much. Um, just rolling in off the left. But, yeah, James Madison was sent out on loan to Aberdeen. D- didn't really play under Alex Neal that much and then I think Alex Neal left he got a 25 25 million pound move didn't he so you know Josh Harrop is a very good footballer for me and and people can say um, you know he's people oh you'll be saying he's got potential when he's 30 but you can people you know players can develop at different rates under different coaches he's only ever had one professional coach and that's Alex Neal so you know for me he's a very good player but you know, yesterday probably is one of the final straws and it. You know, you can't really see him play many more games now. Um, so yeah, it might just. But but he's just signed a new contract, so. Well, I was going to say that. that who's actually dishing out the contracts? Do you think because it can't Come be on, the gaffer? It can't it's, be the manager. It's obviously not, is it? It can't it's be because not. because if it, the manager, if it was the gaffer, you know, the big we four wouldn't, would have we wouldn't be talking deals. about the big four, would we? Well, exactly. So I'm not this, sure Earl gets a new deal or Harrop. You know, it's it's just a bit above the manager's head, isn't it? But Adam O'Reilly, mm. four years to a kid who's played what once in the league. 
Yeah. And can't get can't get can't get a loan move to anything above sort of the National League North. So we're giving a four year deal out to okay, and this is no slight against him, but I, I just think he's probably too small to, to make it in the top three, four divisions. Mm. And I think the other thing with Harrop, it's like I just want it. I want him to work out, but I think he's probably going to be. He'll probably be a good player as a shadow striker, like an advanced ten, rather than this like advanced playmaker sort of eight ten role that Alex Neil likes him to play. Because you know, DJ's it's not it's not an out and out ten or when he, when he's playing because he's mm. when we're without the ball, it becomes quite yeah. a compact three in the middle. So I think if he plays as a shadow striker, if you play him in a two potentially up front, just behind someone, it might work. But yeah, never, if, we're never we're never going to play that shape under Alex Neil. If you look at who plays number ten there for us, they're all sort of physical midfielders, and Josh mm. Harrop's a lightweight attacker. Um, so just very different, aren't they? Um, but the one thing you need in that system is you know discipline and physicality. Yeah. So, but I really like Josh Harrop, and I'm going to stick by it because you know I think he's you know I think sometimes you just don't see it at certain clubs. Um, but I think he's a good player. I hope he does well. And he's going to be here longer than the manager, by the way. So, you know, he'll get a chance. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, should the manager leave at whatever point? Do you think mm. it's something that you could see him flourishing under under a new manager that comes in, plays yeah, a different I th- system? I think if you look at the way Paul Cook plays, for example, he plays sort of free attacking midfielders, genuine attacking midfielders. I think, you know, under a system like that, um, want to play in little pockets and stuff because we are a very direct side you know we are a very direct side um, yeah. you know if you if you could if you could put Harrop in any team in the league and say he really suits that team it wouldn't be Preston yeah it'd be interesting it'd be very interesting if anybody mm. came in very much so do you think then last last one before a break obviously we said this next week was going to be a big week we got the the winner Bournemouth in in the midweek and then obviously we actually drew a game yesterday which is something we've all been critical about excuse me Um, do you think that the win at Bournemouth has probably just bought him a bit of extra time or do you think the higher ups look at it as four points from six in in, in a tough-ish week or do you think how how do you think it's being viewed do you think it's going to sort of go on because I think <clears throat> For me, I feel like it it is inevitable that he's going to leave at some point this season. I'd be gobsmacked if he sees out the season. Yeah, if you look at the table, I think I think we're nine or ten points above the the bottom three. I think we're fifteenth in the league, and I think in the form table, last six to eight games, I think we're fifteenth as well. So I don't think he's in any you know immediate danger because as I've said on here before, I do think the club are very fine with where we are. You know, um, I've seen people say he's only in the job because of his away form. But if if you're his, like if there was no away games in the league, obviously he'd have been sacked by now. But away games count for half of half of your points, so I don't really understand the argument. Um, you know, home form has been shocking, and none of us have ever denied it, have we? You know, no. it has been has been shit. But I honestly believe. A big reason for that is two signings in 18 months. I think it's a massive issue. You know, he's gone 4-4-2 again yesterday. You know, he's gone three at the back in certain games, two up front, different midfield partnerships. You know, but the home form has been shit. 
But, you know, that that only accounts for half your points at the end of the day. So as long as we're still mid-table, I don't think he's going to be sacked. Um, and, you know, four points from the last couple of games after a atrocious, you know, Watford defeat and Blackburn defeat, it's not a bad recovery. Um, scored a late goal to get a point yesterday. You'd, normally, you'd be fine with that normally, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, and, you know, if we drew at Bournemouth and then beat Wickham yesterday, I think I just think the feeling would be different. But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's tough, isn't it? Um, I mean, if we didn't pick up a win on Wednesday night or Tuesday night, sorry, I think it it might have been viewed a little bit differently. Um, I don't think he's in any imminent threat of his job going, unless we lose probably the next four, maybe five. Peter, I suppose Trevor Emmons has always give managers chance. If you look at like the managers we've sacked, oh, I mean, the four, last four managers we've sacked have been. Well, Alan Irving, Darren Ferguson, Phil Brown and Graham, Graham Wesley. Wesley. And three of them have lost a job in December between the 14th and 28th. And then Wesley lost his job in February and he probably clung on to it for an extra eight weeks. Um, I think if he's going to make a change and he's going to pull the trigger, these next four or five games are key that we've got left in December because I don't know what it is, but we just like we went through a period of time of just sacking managers in December. I think we sacked three in the space of three years, all within. I think Ferguson and Alan Irv, sorry, Ferguson and um, Phil Phil Brown lost their job on the same day. Like, it might have been Alan Irving, like twenty eighth of December, something like that. I was like, it's just maybe it's just coincidence, but I just look at it and think. And I said a I couple of weeks ago, I said a few weeks ago, December is going to be massive. December will, will make or break Alex Neil, and I'm, I'm, I don't think there's anything different to say that now you know on the back of the games we've had so far in December yeah. I think it's still a massive month for him it's a massive month for the football club and I think it's that preparation for January that's going to be really key because mm. and it's not just on the pitch that matters in December it's what we're doing off it you know who we're we targeting who we're we looking at because as soon as the window opens we need talent in you know it's it's as simple as that the, the, the deals yeah. we need to do are probably within the first two weeks of the window we, we can't afford if, to be complacent again and, and just have a, another one signing window. No, absolutely. And I think it's it's really key that what we are tracking now comes to fruition. I think, did we sign, we signed Barky in the end of December, didn't we? When when he came from Morecambe, you know, ready for the first of Jan. Yeah. You know, so we've actually made a sign, yeah, he can't play, but we're, we're getting the ball, we're getting the wheels in motion basically so that as soon as the window opens, I think we signed Louis Malt quite early. Yeah. If we, did we sign him in January? Um, I think it, it just Bowden, yeah. That was a really early in the January window. So I just think, you know, get get those deals in, in motion now. Know who you want. Know who your key targets are so that as soon as the window opens, you know, if the manager's still here, which I think he will be, um, that you know who you're targeting and you're going to go out to get them. Because you can't, for me, whilst I know there's a big criticism and a, a growing amount of discontent with the manager from sections of the fan base I, 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 the other way I look at it is that those who are vocal will are always going to shout about it if it's if they want rid of someone you know it's like anything negative in life you'll always hear the negatives over positives you know people will shout about what they think but you've got to give the manager a chance with, his, with the players that he needs to bring in I don't think sacking the manager on the back of two signings in 16 months is the right thing to do, personally. It's no wonder we're stale on the pitch when you've got yeah. duck eggs, 
you know, as players. Yeah. What can yeah, you? I don't. I don't think you'll. Ever, I don't think you'd ever sack a manager on on the back of a win and a draw, because obviously that's the last two results. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what we do because last January was really the time to go for it. You know, we were around the playoffs. You know, we we only signed Sinclair. I think when we're in danger, we probably um, you know, might be a bit proact, bit more proactive. Well, the season that <clears throat> the season that it turned around when after that game at Villa, I think we signed Potts, Stockley. And story maybe, yeah, all yeah, in the I same think... window. So what are you looking at there? About three million quid. Yeah, I think obviously when we're in danger, that's probably when we start panicking. But it it really should have been last January. I think it was well documented. We needed a striker. We wanted a full back, and then they probably should have signed Sinclair as well as you know those two. So you know we need we don't even need one or two. We need sort of five, six, seven players. It's a bit yeah. of a joke, isn't it? Really. And well, then you we'll... also. You're also going to have to bat off interest in January or decide what you're going to do with the, with the key players. It's going to be a nightmare, January. It's going yeah, to be an absolute we'll, nightmare. We'll talk about it in a bit more detail in a couple of weeks. Um, probably do a bit more of a an actual podcast episode around transfers and ins and outs and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, on that note, fellas, um, I'll go and get a brew and see you in part two. The From the Finney podcast is brought to you in partnership with our title sponsor, Lanx Live. Lanx Live is the most popular news source in the county and is run entirely by a local team who all care dearly about the areas in which they live. On to matters football, specifically Preston North End, and George Hodgson is their man at Deepdale. He's a North End fan and he asks the questions that the fans want answered. The best thing about Lanx Live is that the news is all free to read and the best way to keep on top of it all is by downloading the app or signing up to the newsletter. Head on over to lanks.live and sign up today. To stay up to date with all the latest news coming from Deepdale, follow their dedicated Twitter account, at PNE Live. And now, back to the podcast. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we'll answer a few listener questions and then we'll look ahead to Wednesday night's game against Borough. So, first up, fellas, we've got a question from Sarah Warren on Twitter. And she's, I say, I'm, I'll tell you now, they're all from Twitter, so I'm not going to repeat it every time. But yeah, Sarah's asked, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the return of fans in tiers one and two and how you see that impacting our away form. Personally, I don't think it will make an issue, make a difference to our away form. Um, Firstly, I'm very happy to see fans just back in stadiums. Yeah, it's a step in the right direction, isn't it? Yeah, I think I've seen a few people from Tier 3, you know, saying they shouldn't be allowed back in until everyone is, but it's just good to see fans back. I watched the Chelsea game last night and thought it made a big difference. But in terms of our away form, I think it's... I don't think it's been a case of the home team playing badly when we've gone there. I think it's just a case of outdoing us, outdoing them tactically. Um, and I think obviously I don't know how many fans were at the Norwich game but you know it didn't affect us that day because you know we just did them tactically so I think, I think there was a thousand there weren't there yeah yeah. so it'd be two thousand at Luton will it and it's t- quite a tight ground anyway so yeah. might just give us a bit of atmosphere I think it's a positive thing me I don't think well, it'll work against us I was going to say our players might rise to it as well mm, yeah I think it'll be decent obviously Fisher scored didn't he and gave a bit to the Norwich fans yeah that day so yeah looking forward to it 
Yeah, I don't think it's really made. It'll, sorry, I don't think it'll really make that much difference for for us. Um, I've not looked at all the results from yesterday. The only, I mean, I know there was quite a few wins in front of home fans, but then I look at Millwall and obviously all the antics they pulled yesterday and they got beat at home to Derby, obviously not been the greatest form this season, have they? So I don't know how big an effect. I think it's too soon to judge. Um, you probably need a bigger sample Something of games size. in terms... Yeah, just to see if home fans does make a difference because I think it's a 6% swing in terms of more away wins this season than home wins um, versus average. So it's probably evened out a little bit in terms of not having fans in the ground. So I'd expect a few more home wins. I'd expect a few more goals. I think it's been the lowest scoring season so far in the Championship for the past God knows how many years. I think it's averaging less than 2.4 goals a game, which is the least for at least 20 years, from what we're saying this week. So, yeah, I think it might make a difference in terms of that, but we just need fans at home, don't we then? Yeah. And hopefully that might improve our home form as well, yeah. because obviously... It, I think it does make a difference at Deepdale, and I've said it before. You know, Deepdale's very hollow. It's not not a nice place to be when it's empty. It it feels, you know, pretty soulless. It so, feels that, doesn't it? It feels empty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think when you when you stood in the middle of that pitch, it feels like strange. You know, I mean, whenever I've played on Deepdale, I've been fortunate to do it a few times. It's just like you look around and you think, it's one way back up that stand. You know, and that's the best way you can sort of describe it. It just feels dead empty. So it, it, it'll make a difference even having a couple of thousand deep though, I think, especially if it's spread out over probably the town end and the Finney, because that's probably the way they'll have to do it, I'd have thought, um, to make sure the social distancing piece to start with. So, yeah, fingers crossed. We, we're back yeah. in sooner than later. Yeah, I yeah. think I think um, Bielsa, Bielsa and Thomas Frank both said, they didn't think 2,000 fans is enough to impact the game. And obviously they both managed in front of fans yesterday. So I don't know I don't know what the plan is in terms of getting more back in. But even just hearing people in the stadium will be a positive thing, I think. Yeah, as long as they're behaving themselves, not acting like fucking idiots like Millwall were. Yeah. yeah. Um, right, next one is from James O'Brien on Twitter. And he asks, do we employ a sports psychologist? If not, should we? The players are so obviously reliant on confidence and when something knocks that confidence, we can't seem to shake it, such as the injury yesterday. Add to that the bizarre decision-making and it could go away to explaining. I think by that it means a way to explaining our home form. Great question. Yeah. Yeah, I replied to this um, earlier on Twitter. I replied to James. I think um, I was listening to a podcast, Training Ground Guru podcast with Dan Ashworth who's the director of football at Brighton and they employ a sports psychologist. And he was saying only a handful of clubs in England employ one full time. So, you know, it's a massively untapped area of sport. I think it's coming into sport a bit more. Obviously, I think the FA have done quite a lot of work on it, but yeah. Well, wasn't I don't think wasn't Dan Ashworth the man behind that work with the FA? Well, up until yeah, maybe two 20, years ago. Yeah, I think he left after the World Cup. Obviously, there was a massive part about or the penalty psychology and all that kind of stuff at the World Cup. But I think it's a good question. Obviously, you know, I've always thought, you know, we're a massive confidence side. Obviously, you don't know how much other teams rely on it because you don't watch other teams every week. But yeah, I've always thought North End's heads can drop very quickly. Um, I don't know how much um, 
confidence was impacted by Pearson's injury. I think he is simply just our best player, isn't he? Um, so, you know, it's hard to say if it was a confidence thing, but there's definitely room for it. Um, I don't know how much, you know, it costs to hire a full-time psychologist, but it's a massively under-tapped part of the sport that I think we'll see coming more and more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I like my cycling. I know that there's a lot of psychology in, in cycling, especially in professional within the World Tour. And I've read a couple of books on Team Sky, and I suppose their makeup of how they've got to be the, the best cycling team in the world, you know, for four, five, six seasons, you know, under their team. And obviously how their entire makeup has been around marginal gains and how Dave Bailsford has, has made that team what they are through trying to gain a competitive advantage in any way they can. I think it's a really interesting way of looking at it. I think it's a it's a great question. I think it will come in more and more into football. I, I, someone mentioned it might be yourself probably last night in our group chat about Sam Allardyce has an, a bit of an entourage whenever he rocks up at a club and it involves a lot of analysts, a lot of you know that mental yeah. side of the game and how he's been a bit of a pioneer for that. You know, everyone yeah, think... Sam Allardyce is a bit of a football dinosaur, mm. but he's yeah. actually. He's probably about 10 or 15 years ahead of where the yeah. rest of the game was at. When Big Sam went into Bolton, apparently did loads of stuff around American sports, you know, because football's taken a lot from American sport analytics. Did a lot around that and psychology. Um, Is it Big so, Sam yeah. and Phil Brown did a load of stuff with a company in Preston, a woman that I'm aware of, uh, mm. who deals with that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's still a massively undertapped thing, isn't it? I think just even performance analysis ten years ago wasn't, you know, as as important as it is now. So I think psychology is probably the next thing on the ladder. Yeah, of course. But I mean, people take the mick out of us talking about XG and talking about the different side of analytics, but that's part and parcel of the game now. You know, that is that is football. You know, it's not going away. It's been called different things in the past, but there's that many different analyst and you know statistical information that's out there now freely available as well in a lot of sources yeah. why wouldn't you try and tap into that why wouldn't you try and get a competitive advantage over your opponent in any way you can what you mentioned jim a second ago is it's something that i'm hearing more and more of in different sports and it's marginal gains that's, that's what it comes down to yeah. you know if if you can if you can gain a slight advantage over your opponent, especially I watch a lot of MMA and if you can gain a competitive advantage, whether it's your fitness or your skill set in, in something like MMA, why would you not? And it's the same, I think in any sport, like you've said, cycling as well. Look, look at the, that lad who ran the marathon under two hours. Forgot his name, but he obviously did the oh, marathon uh, under two hours last year. Elliot Kipchoge. Yeah, that's him. You know, the footwear he was using, obviously the, the pacemakers he had around, around the course. You know, he did anything he could to break that two-hour barrier because yeah. that's been a barrier for years. You know, it's like a bit like when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. You know, it, it was a barrier. Nobody nobody could get past that point, but it's how you get to that point of being able to get over the barrier. And I just think, you know, with the money that's involved in football now, because we're not talking about a couple of hundred quid here and there, are we? We're talking about millions and millions of pounds. Billions you know, of pounds. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. So, you know, why wouldn't you want to get use all the information you can in, you know, data analytics, statistics, whatever you want to call it, patterns of play, working out if, you know, trigger movements, 
from watching uh, the scouting reports that you can get, why wouldn't you want to try and pull all that information together to try and get an advantage over your opponent? Yeah. You know, I think it's so key. And, you know, people take the piss out of us on Twitter and other forums and so whatever you want to do. It doesn't bother me. It's what for Ducks back because we've got to adapt as people to the new way of, of football because it's not going away. You know, mm. the people can have their opinion on it. They might just want to look at the, the score at the end of the day because at the end of the day, yeah, you're right. That is all that people will remember. But it's the process of getting there. Exactly. And, mm. you know, we've got to sort of broaden our horizons as well. I've I've had to because, you know, you can't stand still in this world, unfortunately. Now it's 2020. You know, the, the world is adapting and the, the yeah. digital age is upon us. And I think we've just got to embrace it to a, to a degree. And, you know, you, you're either going to keep up with it or you're going to get left behind ultimately. Yeah, I think it, just in general society as well, there's been a lot more openness about psychology and mentality. Mm. Um, so obviously football's, you know, mirrors where society's at. So, you know, I think um can only be a positive thing. I think it's something that Brentford will probably do first in the league and then teams will start copying. Can't uh, be any can't be any negatives towards getting a psychologist though. No. no I think just, the only just, negative just, is on, just, it's on the payroll, isn't it? That's the only negative that, that anybody yeah. can look at it, you know, yeah. or is it gonna tell people a few home truths that they might not want to hear. Um, that's probably the only negatives that I can see personally from it. But you know, if that makes you gonna... better as a club, then what's what's the issue? It's mm. not just better as a club, it's better as people. Per- person, yeah. yeah. It's better as people. Next one then, this is from Owen Wheeler. He's He asks, do you think our now obvious need to sign at least one centre-back might affect our budget for the big four contracts or just contracts in general? And do you think no, the likelihood think it, of us losing the? And what do you think the likelihood of us losing these players is? So on that, so the, obviously, all your papers to describe it about amortization, about how that cost is, because they're, they're being inflated value, won't they? With how long they've gotten a contract, so you're probably best explaining that one from a spreadsheet point of view. Uh, from my point of view, in terms of actual, no, I don't think. You know, I don't think it's going to matter if we go out and spend a million pound, two million pound, whatever, on a centre half or get one in on loan. I think if these lads accept the contracts that are on offer, then you know, I don't think the two pots of money changed for for me. In my, in my opinion, you know, the contracts are there. If they want to sign, they'll sign them. If not, then we're probably going to recoup transfer fees for them in January anyway. So it's, I think Peter said this week, you'll will know by January if the staying are going. So yeah. it, in pretty much those words. So look, I, I think it's, you know, it depends on obviously what we lose, what we bring in, but we're pretty, it's pretty obvious we need to bring in a few, isn't it? You know, from the performances so far this season and, you know, try and freshen up the squad. We're just going to struggle to get rid of the Deadwood. That's my mm. big concern. Yeah, I think North End should be looking to get rid of the Deadwood, but what's going to happen is, you know, I think your best player is going to leave. Um, out of the big four, I think it was the second part of the question. I can only see Alan Brown signing. I can't see any of the others. I can't see Ben Pearson signing a contract. Um, I think DJ's made it pretty clear that he's going to be off. <laughs> um, and I think Ben Davis is probably going to going to be off as well. So, you know, I think Alan Brown will be the only one staying. Regarding the um, affordability, um I think we have well. I'm not. I don't know if we do, but normally you'd have two pots of money: one for a balance sheet and one for expenses. 
Um, when you're signing footballers to go on your balance sheet and obviously inflate your assets and then you can amortise them, like Jimmy was saying before. Um, wages are just for, an expense. For anyone that doesn't know, what's amortisation? I'll get accused of being all sorts by saying this here. Um, well, just, just show your, your, your prowess in swallowing textbooks, mate. Um, so it's like depreciation, but just uh, not physical asset version. So, you know, a company, when it buys an asset, say it buys a car, um, has to give give that car a useful life. So a lifespan that it's going to last. Say you give a car 10 years, you have to write off 10% every year. So it decreases the value on the balance sheet. We basically do the same with footballers. So a footballer signs a five-year deal. Um, you know, say he's worth five million, you've got to write a million pound of that off each year. So by the end of his contract, he's worth zero pounds on the balance sheet. Um, and that's actually how profit on players is um, calculated. It's not calculated on the in- initial fee or anything like that. It's based on the fee you receive, take away what their amortised value is. Um, so looking at the big four, you know, they're going to be worth next to nothing on the balance sheet now. Um, so, you know, that's why I think North End will try and make a bit of tidy profit on them in terms of what they're actually technically worth. Football's a weird thing because we know they aren't worth what they are on a balance sheet. Um, it has to be done for accounting purposes. Like Lionel Messi uh, or Marcus Rashford, because they weren't purchased, are worth zero pound on the balance sheet. Um, so, but it's just box ticking exercise. But um, yeah, a centre back is just a massive priority. It's just got to be because um, if you look at the options, Ben Davis is going to leave. Jordan Story, you know, has potential, but he's had his issues this season, and I just don't see any value in Paul Huntington. Uh, and you know, I know people love him, but it's just, you know, there's much better players out there. So um, I think Ollie King asked, who would you look at in terms of centre-backs? There's quite a few, to be fair, in League One that I'd look at. I think we're going to touch on it on a different podcast. But, you know, there's players out there that we can sign if we're just a bit creative. Don't even have to be, you know, an expensive player because, you know, centre-backs are obviously cheaper because of the nature of the position. So, you know... I think we need two, you know, but we're not going to sign two. Probably sign one. Um, but yeah, 25 goals conceded. It's just a major issue, isn't it, for us? Yeah, big time. And I think um, it's sort of an issue, by the way, that we've sleepwalked into in regards to defence because there's been so much focus on the attack. Um, I think we've just sort of stood still with the defensive signings. I think I think you could say that about a lot of things that have gone on at the club that we've sleepwalked into them, to be honest. Yeah, contract situation. We've completely sleepwalked into it. Mm. Christ, you, we we knew this was going to come up. Yeah, you know, a good twelve months ago. It's not. Yeah, I think it's not um, like it's a, a surprise. Christ, I wrote I wrote a piece for the website, Jake. Um, a chance of a lifetime piece. I think that was August 2019. and we knew this contract thing was coming to a head then. Yeah. Um. So you know, it's it, it's been coming for you know. 18 months. Yeah, as it's um, frustrating, I think is probably the politest way of putting it. Um, penultimate question then. This one's from Gary Salisbury. He asks, putting funding issues aside, do the panel agree that the difference in the home slash away form has to be down to tactics and the way we set up? Or do we think there's something else to consider? The opposition. We've not considered them at all. Though. Um, the the way that the opposition set up is probably very important. You, you know, you can't take that away from out of the situation because the, the two variable factors are 
us as a home team and the away team. There's nothing yeah. else that you can sort of use as factors, potentially the refereeing team um, and their decision-making. However, that's it. That's the only, they're the only people that are on the pitch, you know, and the decisions that are made by the management team probably have a little bit of an impact. And um, the way that Blackburn came and took us to the cleaners that first half, you know, that was, there's very little you can do tactically to, to counteract that the way we set up to start with, for, from my point of view. You know, they came with a clear game plan and they completely dominated us. You yeah. know, I've not seen a team come to deep down and do that for a long time. Um, you know, it, we struggle against deep blocks and we struggle against teams that say, right, come on to us. You know, we're just going to sit in then we're going to do you on the break. It's yeah. what we do away from home. You know, we, we're quite happy to sit in for a large part of the game and then as soon as the team steps onto us then we try and break on them look at the goals we scored at Bournemouth I mean Scott Sinclair's goal is just pure counter-attacking play you know they've had a shot in our box Ben Pearson's played it to Barky Barky's played a long ball flick on by Maguire literally one touch bang balls in net I think it's yeah. five six, maybe six touches from Solanke having the shot in Bournemouth's box towards putting the ball in the back of the net from 35 yards yeah. They've probably got eight players in their half, haven't they? Yeah. You know, and there's games, there's other games that we've done that, you know, look at Leeds away, that third goal at Reading. You know, there's countless other occasions when we've... Yeah. Did it at QPR as well, to an extent? Barnsley yeah. last season. Yeah. And people call it shithousing and us going places and, you know, turning them over on the counter or whatever you want to call it. That's where we're at our best when we're counter-attacking and, we're, and teams are coming at us. You know, rather than teams sitting and saying, come on, then break us down. Because let's be fair, creativity-wise, we're not great. You know, that's that's the crux of it. We're not fantastic in terms of having that creative edge to be able to break teams down when they're sitting with a low block. That's just yeah. not how where we're at our best. And is that a problem? Absolutely, of course it's a problem because teams are cottoning on to it now. I said in a podcast in January we did, I listened back to it the other day, we had... Seds on and John Kelly from Peony Online. And the question I had was, do you think tactically we're starting to get found out a little bit? Because I think we've just been beat off Redden at home, who came in and sat in and then did us twice when we gave away possession. And I think it was, was it Middlesbrough on New Year's Day or something like that? Yeah, yeah it, was. it was. We played someone and we got beat. And it was. Again, they just came with a very defensive mindset. Yeah. Team, we hadn't really seen it deep down, to be honest. And... Mm. Then all of a sudden, we've lost two on the bounce at home for the first time in God knows how long. Probably yeah. not many times under Alex Neal at that point. And I just thought, I said, I said it, and everyone was like, well, not sure about that, because it was quite quite new, if that makes sense as a question. It wasn't something that was actively thought about. But mm. the, the warning yeah. signs were there for me. Yeah, I think if you look at the first half of last season at home, a lot of them games were like away games for us. Like it's It doesn't... It sounds daft, but you know that's what it was. Um, for me, the massive one is just the fullback issue now for me, because every single team is coming to Deepdale and allowing us all the width because we don't play with wingers because we don't have any wingers. Um, you know, every side is coming to Deepdale and giving our fullbacks freedom of Deepdale because we can't do anything with it, especially when we don't have Fisher fit. And I think. It goes back to James's question. I think psychology now is probably coming into it because Gareth Ainsworth even said it himself. He mentioned our home form um, before and after the game. Um, even Tony Mowbray on Radio Lanks mentioned it as well when Blackburn came here. So 
you know, the last two teams who have come to deep there, Blackburn and Wickham, they've not sat deep at all. They've actually come at us and they've scored yeah. five goals. They've scored five goals and they could have scored more. So, you know, teams are now cutting on to the fact that our confidence is probably at rock bottom at home. And we are there to be shot at, really. So, yeah, but personnel, I know, obviously, people get bored of it, but it's honestly what I truly believe. Um, you know, got no Whitford fullback. We got no creative players in the team because we're set up to to be a physical side, yeah. Um, and, and and play on transitions and breaks and press teams. Um, so it, it is a number of issues, and you know we are being found out. We were lucky to get a point yesterday. You know we were lucky. We were lucky that Sheffield Wednesday went down to ten men. So you know it, it, it is an issue. But you know we need to sign sort of four, five, six players in January. Um, it's just not going to happen. So, you know, Middlesbrough will be a tough game because Neil Warnock's sides are tough to break down. So, you know, just it's hard to know where we go from here in terms of the home piece um, because I just don't, I don't trust the club to keep our best players and bring in other good players. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's a massive month ahead for me. You know, and it's massive probably six, seven months if you include the summer transfer window because there is an overhaul coming. You know, whether that's under Alex Neal or not, you know, the Island man will decide that. But, you know, this isn't going to be a little bit of a, you know, a chop and a change. We've still got near enough a dozen players out of contract in summer. You know, players like Josh Janelli, Billy Bowden. We've got a lot of average players that are going out of contract in summer that's just going to just walk out the club on a free. And it's, it's so, money down the pan. Well, it is money down the pan. You know, we've spent money on a lot of these players and decent money, you know, especially in the case of Billy Bowden when we signed from Bristol Rovers. You know, and yeah, he was highly thought of at the time. Obviously, his injury, what, two years ago nearly, about 18 months ago, it's massively affected him. Probably not mm. the player since. And yeah, it's just a little bit of a situation now where there's an overhaul coming, whether it's in January or whether it's in summer. Who knows? But you're yep. going to look at you're looking at probably ten outs and ten ins at some point over the next six seven months coming. Would it would it surprise you to see not really much change in January? Not really much yeah. change in terms of contracts, players coming, players going, and the club just sort of plod on. No, I think. Sorry, I think I think the sorry, I think I'll just say I think the club will definitely sign play sell players sell players in January. The 25-man rule is going to hamper us as well because you can't... Whatever goes out is what's going to come in. Well, the, the thing is with that as well is it's 25-man. It's a 25-man squad rule and, and for us, that's pretty much what it is. You've got other clubs who've got good academies who can look to their academies to supplement that 25 with quality yeah, players. Yeah. But we we still have that luxury. I'm not sure if the manager trusts what's coming through the academy though, does he? Well, exactly. Yeah, you, That's my point. Other teams you, have that luxury. We don't. Whether it's down you, to the manager trust not trusting them or them just not being good enough. You've got like Holland yeah. Wilkinson on the bench. You've got Coulton that's been in around the, the left back. You know, you've got Adam O'Reilly who's just signed a you know, four-year deal. Who's you know he's on the bench, but that's it. You know, Jack Baxter's twenty years old, back at the club, not made a not made a professional appearance for us. You know, competitions from what I, from what I remember. You know, Ethan Walker's obviously only just turned 18, obviously out with an injury at the minute. Then you've got kids like Aaron Bennett, 
highly thought of, but only 16, 17, first year scholar. There's there's players in the academy that, you know, I've got a chance of making it. Look at what Tyrese Dolan's done. I know that's probably the exception rather than the rule. But, uh, you know, the manager doesn't seem to have wanted to give some of these kids a chance. I think Josh Earl maybe be, be the only one that sticks out in my mind that he's given a chance to since he's been here. And I think that was through... Grayson Grayson gave him a chance before that though, so he'd, he'd already come in, in and around. Joshua? Sure? No, I think it was. I think it was made his debut. His debut. Made his debut against Reading, I think. All oh, right, yeah, I got that. I oh, thought his first season. It's the same game. Oh, that's gave. why I'm getting confused. He played. He made his his first appearance or the first time I saw him in the friendly against Newcastle, which obviously Grayson would have been in charge against. Hmm. That's where I've got. Oh, no, I don't fuck whatever. Back, don't matter. Back, just in terms of the original question, though, um, the home form thing. We just don't keep clean sheets at home, you know. We don't well, keep we don't clean keep sheets. Clean full sheets stop. Full, yeah, full stop. That's three three this season. Two have been away from home. So yeah. your issue, this, I think this is where you're going to go with it. Is you're going to have to you have to score two goals to win a home game. And, yeah, and we and, can't score one. Never mind two at home because of how teams set up. So it's just a fucking vicious circle for you. Yeah. Um. Especially, I think if you look at the if you look at Alan Brown right back, Huntington Davis Rafferty left back, you can't expect a clean clean sheet clean sheets with sort of that back four. It's it's, it's a bad back four. Mm. Yeah, and your keeper save percentage is the second worst in the league. Yeah, so, so you know it, it, it's it, you know, it, it's a load of issues put together, and that, this is what you get in it, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, last question then, fellas. This one's from Chris Pitcher. And this is relevant as of today, the day that we're recording. So if you're listening to this on Monday or whatever day, obviously, um, it's nine years today, Sunday, the 6th of December, that we're recording that Peter Ridsdale joined the club. Uh, what are the best and worst three points of his tenure thus far? Um, Hello, Peter, if you're listening. I'm not sure if there's a point, but for me, it was the recruitment that we were making sort of around our promotion. I saw it as sort of long-term positive recruitment. Robinson, Johnson, um, Pearson, Hugh Gill, you know, there'll be a few more in there as well, who we signed young and we developed and we could sell high. You know, obviously the two managers that he's appointed the last two times, Grayson and Neil, I think they've been very good for us. Um, I don't think you can have too many arguments against that. Obviously, Neil's got a 7th, ninth, 14th. Grayson got his 11th, 11th plus promotion. Um, for me, the negative would be the season ticket fiasco this season. I just don't think the club handled it very well. Um, but 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 what I will say on Peter Risdale is I think his, his title, I believe, is advisor to the owner. But I don't believe he's... I think it's more he, he does what the owner says. Just, you know, runs the club on a day-to-day basis. For so, them. yeah. So, you know... I think he's, he's. I think he's done more good than bad for the club. Yeah, I don't think there's yeah. any doubt about that. To be honest, I think when he came, when Peter came in, he came in with a bit of a reputation, probably more from his Leeds days and Cardiff days and anything. But he did a good job with Plymouth before he came to came up here. And um, I think, like you said there, Ollie, I think his appointment of Simon Grayson and Alex Neil stability. You know, they've both been long term managers for us. Which is what we needed. Yeah, I know he brought in Graham Wesley, but Graham Wesley came in to do a job, and that was clearly Dex and start again, pretty much. And that's what he did. And yeah, 
it it might have worked once in a blue moon under under Graham Wesley. You know, we had a good start that season where everything seemed to fall into place and it was us against the world. But it soon fell apart quite quickly and maybe we could have pulled the trigger a little bit earlier on, on Graham Wesley because it's the worst experience I've ever had watching North End, you know, yeah. by, by some distance. Um, you know, and not just the football on the pitch, but all the Antics. circus off it. Yeah, the circus off it, you know, and how certain players were treated that no player should ever be treated by this football club. Yeah, and, well, we've, you heard know, some, that's, we've heard some yeah, of them exactly. stories on the podcast here, haven't we? On the meets, yeah. So, I, you know, that's played the the downside for me. But, you know, on the whole, I think he's done all right. You know, I think Chris put in his original tweet in terms of, what was it? What was his tweet in, in terms uh, what, of... What, uh, what, what's your fish tank rating? And he, he gave fish, it a 7 out of 10 fish tanks. That one went over my head. Seven fish tanks out of ten. Yeah, I'd say it's probably. I just don't, probably I just don't get that. the relevance to fish tanks. Do you not? Come on, Jake. Get with the script. God. <laughs> you, you know, you're the one who needs ed- educating. Nobody else. It's you <laughs> who needs educating. <laughs> Christ. But um, yeah, yeah, I'd say seven fish tanks out of ten. That's probably about right. A couple of goldfish in there as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd, I'd probably agree. Um, I just I don't think this is his fault. I just wish the re- recruitment was like it used to be. But I understand it's harder at this level with the restraints. I think, but the restraint the restraints don't come from Peter Risdale. No, I was just no, going to say his... I think Jimmy's Jimmy summed it up quite well that Peter's running the club how the owner wants it to be done. Yeah, you know Peter can't turn around and go right. Trevor's Trevor's said we're not spending ten million on a player, but fuck it, we'll do it anyway. Yeah. Do you know what? To give Peter is though a bit of credit, I'm pretty sure he'll be trying to fight for every penny he can get. Absolutely. No because doubt why wouldn't, about you? That why, why, wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want to try and strengthen the club the best way you can? And if you say, Peter, you know what, Trevor, I need an extra five million quid. And Trevor's tight. You know, Mark Lawrence has said that. He'll yeah. probably say, well, here's, here's, here's 500 quid. And they'll probably have to meet, they'll have to negotiate and meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You know, yeah. it might not be that sort of, you know, disparity in terms of 500 and five, 500 quid and 5 million but you know there'll be he'll try and knock him down a few quid won't he because in a day that's negotiation that's how it works so yeah absolutely Borough then what inconsistent inconsistent at the minute aren't they oh I thought you said consistent I was going to say I'm not no sure inconsistent that, they, they were consistent they went 10 unbeaten and then they've just sort of fallen off a bit of a cliff um, manager of the month curse again it's strange isn't it that, that trophy how it can just like balls people up maybe it's people getting ahead of themselves and they get these awards halfway through the season and then they probably think they're doing a great job and then all of a sudden they play somebody and fall off a cliff I just can't I can never understand why it's so cursed getting this that manager of the month award but, but, mm. but you never you never hear about it when the team wins straight after do you you only hear when they lose yeah, I, don't, but, I don't know how prevalent it actually is yeah, it's just I just found it really bizarre. The forms just completely. What have they won? One loss, one lost. Is yeah, the last the last five since twenty first of November, they lost one nil against Norwich. They've beaten Derby three nil. Uh, lost three two against Huddersfield. Uh, beat Swansea two one, and then mm. yesterday they uh, they got beat one nil by Stoke at the Pigsty yeah. as Neil Warnock called it. Yeah, I think the last six. The last six, I think they've got the same points as us. So, you know, they've only won one away game 
I think they've won one, drawn three or four, and lost three or four. Can't remember which way round it is. Um, so you know, I think most of their wins have been at home. So, but you know, we're going to get over Neil Warnock's side. How many times have we sent it at deep Dale? Um, but to be fair to him this season, I think Neil Warnock has up probably a bit more attacking than he previously has. Yeah. Um, you know, they got players like Akpom, Tavernier in there. Um, they got two attacking fullbacks actually, Dyke Steele and Bowler. Um, who I think are both, you know, good fullbacks. So, yeah, it's going to be another battle, isn't it? Um, you know, I think they have probably got, you know, better squad than us. Um, but yeah, they've only won one away game. I'm thinking another draw, me. Yeah, Steve Gibson though, there owner, isn't he? He's always backed him. He's always backed every manager he's had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did they bring they brought Asamba Longa yesterday, didn't they? I think. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. bloody hell, you're bringing a player of that ilk, you know, off mm. the bench and. I love Neil Warnock. People think he's, you know, he's definitely Marmite, and he, you know, people call him Colin and all that sort of stuff, you know. And <laughs> I've read, I've read his books. I think he's brilliant. I think he's um, a character, someone that yeah. I think football will miss once he goes, you know. And it, I think he's coming up. What is he coming up to a thousand games in management? Something, you know, like fair, that, yeah. fair play to him. Like I, th- I think he's great, and Same. he has gone more attacking. He, ha- he has gone more attacking. I think he's. He's gone more attacking with age. He's not just setting up a, like a solid team anymore. You know, he's still a super solid team, not wrong, but he's he's making his players believe and when they're going forward more. I think. I think it's yeah. it's more of an attractive style of football than mm. probably what people think of yeah. Neil Warnock the, or Colin Wanker, whatever you want to call him. They've got a lot of pace as well. They they got a lot of pace. Yeah. So they got Asan Belongo or Akbom up front. They got Tavernier wide. Both fullbacks are pacey. I think they've been playing four three three with House and sitting. They've got Duncan Watmore as well, who's coming. Um, yeah. He's very good. Twice. Scored twice, yeah. Scored, uh, signed a short-term contract. And like Jimmy, um, I listened to all his press conferences, Neil Warnock. He does like half an hour press conference before every game. Just very entertaining guy. Character, um, I, Yeah, to be honest, like he, he gets results. Like mm. You can't really argue against his record. 72 um, as well. He's, he's knocking yeah. on a bit now. Yeah, I think he's... Um, I really like him. Yeah, um, I, I think one of my favourite things about him recently is all these videos that keep popping up of him on social media. <laughs> just out on bike rides or walking his dog. There was, I saw one of him walking his dog the other day and he yeah. just turns to whoever's videoing him and he goes, have you got me now? Are you happy with that? <laughs> yeah, he's just a, he's just a um, down-to-earth bloke, isn't he? I think he's just a normal northern bloke, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. His books absolutely. are great, by the way. His two I'm... books are brilliant. Like, yeah, I've not read his, his books. First, his first one's his autobiography, and then he's did a second one about management called the Gaffer, like all his career in management. It's really interesting. Like when he was at Gainsborough Trinity and Scarborough, and like just work. He's because he's end of the day, he's done his apprenticeship as, as a manager. He's worked. He's done it the hard way, you know, in terms yeah. of the clubs he's managed. You know, he's managing the Premier League. You know, getting his boyhood club up, you know, into the Premier League. That's just like stuff dreams are made of, isn't it? Really, you know, you look at Chrissy Wilder now doing the same, but. Sheffield United I think yeah. he's just he's just good he, you know people people hate him but they hate him because he's probably the pantomime villain you know mm. and he'll wind people up but end of the day he gets results so you yeah. can't argue with that I, I'd, I'd have had him here 10 years ago I think it'd have been great here yeah I think it'll be um, you know it'll be a tough game and it, I don't think they will just sit behind the ball um, you know I think they've got players to have a go at us especially in the form that we're in at the minute with the defenders we've got available. Obviously, Fish will come back in. Um, there's nothing on Earl 
but you know, who knows? Huntington or Story, I'd be I go Story personally. And then you think Brown move back in midfield. By the way, when did Daniel Johnson get booked? Oh, gobbing off. Uh, I didn't even I, I don't even remember seeing him being given it, like physically I given it. it. No, and He's I can't saying... find a I can't find a record on the stats websites. Um but you know, if DJ's out, I'm guessing Brown Ledson. I was gonna say Harrop, but I'm guessing Potts. I think we'll go with Potts. Did all right when he came on. Didn't do yeah, he's good. He, he did it all right. I'm not saying he was, he was fantastic. He did. Yeah, all I know. Right. I'm just look, looking at. Does, I'm a massive um, fan. I'm a massive fan of Alex Neal, but we we need we can't have Potts in the ten at home for me. If we need what, results. Question: What if he doesn't go with the ten? What if he goes four four two like he ended the game? Yeah. yeah, we don't have any what wingers. If... We don't have any wingers though, and we don't have any width from fullback. So then I think it just b- becomes a bit of a mess. He'd have to go Barking and Sinclair's wingers when he was Rafferty and probably Brown behind him. Or Fisher, no, Fisher's there, isn't he? Yeah. Fisher there. So then you're two in midfield. What do you go with Ledson and Brown? So yeah. you've got legs from both. I know both aren't probably defensive minded, but at least then you've got that bit of energy across the midfield. Hmm. Um, is, where's Paddy McNair playing for Middlesbrough by the way is he playing at the back or midfield at the back so, so versatile that player yeah plays, does he play as a 10 for Northern Ireland or has he played as a 10 I'm not sure I think they played mm, they might have done yeah I'm not sure it's like I, I swear I read somewhere he literally played every position centre yeah. back defensive mid centre mid 10 the only play, place he hasn't played is up top but very versatile straight through the middle of the team. I just think um, four four I think four four two. I think I just don't think we have the players for it. Um because we don't have any actual winkers. So mm. if you're playing Barky, you're playing Barky, Sinclair, Reese and Stockley. I just I'm not sure how you create chances for them. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, people want to see it. So Would you go? I think he's more likely. I think he's more likely to go three at the back, but then you don't have a spare centre back if one of them gets injured. So mm. it's a bit of a risk, in it. Does Reese come back in for you two? Because I thought Shawnee's first half especially did all right. I was going to say that. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think Maguire plays as the, the He plays as the sort of the ten role, if that makes sense. Mm. And it's either Reese or Stockley as the as the the main focal point of your forward line. Um, yeah. I think Stockley will start. He's been, he's been dying he's been to start in it, hasn't he? He's been dying think, to start it for a while. Yeah. I think Stockley will start. Um, yeah, Predictions think, then, boys? Uh, I'll go 1-1. One, one. Mm, yeah, I, I was going to say 1-1. One, one. I'll probably go 2 No, sorry. Mm. Sorry, I'm going to change. I've just had a change of heart. I'm going to go 3-1 Borough. <laughs> No, no, sorry. I've just remembered my stats about Paul Huntington. I'm not going to mention him because I get fucking crucified, but I've just remembered him. So I'm going to go 3-1 Borough. All right, okay. So if Hunt doesn't start, you're going to go one apiece then? Yeah, I'll go 1-1. One, one. If right. Hunt starts, go 3-1. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to go 2-1 North End. I can actually see us winning. I know that sounds really strange. I had this feeling when we played Bournemouth the other night. I said to you boys, just something in my head. I can just see... Middlesbrough creating space for us at times in the key times in the game. I think it'll be a very tight game though, and I think it it might come down to set pieces. And we've not had a penalty for a couple of weeks, have we? So we might get one of them as well if Maguire plays because you know yeah. what he's like. As soon as he gets in the box, he turns to a uh, you know. And Reese, 
And Reese, yeah. So if, if both of them start up front, I think you can put money on us getting a penalty as well. I I'll go I'll go two on North End as well. I think I'm feeling trying to trying to remain positive. Yeah, I think if we if we avoid defeat, then it'll be one defeat in four at home, and then things look a bit better. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Right, cheers, fellas. Thank you very much. Cheers, lads. nice one. Good fun as always. Um, yeah, thank you very much, listener, for listening to episode twenty of the From the Finney podcast. As I said at the start, you can support us by making a donation. Just go to supporter.acast.com forward slash from the Finney. And don't forget, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for the From the Finney and you'll find us. Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much. (laughs) 